You are watching a master at work. Mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two, mic check, one, two, one, two, Be beautiful people. I am going to enjoy this one, and I hope you will, too. Before we get started, though, let me send off one text to the beautiful people at home. Hold on one second, one second, one second. We're going to get started in just a minute. Okay, I'm going to wait till the beautiful people uh, on Twitter get in, but I'm going to get started anyways because I know uh, a lot of you on the internet is listening because it's a special episode, and um, I'm not going to even talk about news that much, but I'm going to give you guys some insight on just how, or the reality of this country that we exist in, and before I get started, of course, you're listening to ATL Talks Radio and it's number one streaming talk radio station. This is the Barrington Report. I am Barrington Martin II. You can listen to me every Thursday here at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern and right here on ATL Talks Radio. You can listen to ATL Talks on Apple or Google app, Alexa, Apple CarPlay, and of course, www.atltalks.com. If you have not please subscribe to my Substack, Substack, excuse me, my Substack is barrington.substack.com. That way, you get a heads-up alert anytime I'm on the air. You get a heads-up um, email notification anytime I'm on, on the air as well. Now, without further ado, hold on. Without further ado, I wanted to discuss some things because um, it's quite obvious that there has been um, common misconceptions in respect to black America and black Americans' role within politics in respect to them being uh, the voter base. And I wanted to get started with that today because it's going to transition into other um, aspects of this conversation. The reason I say this is because every two to four years or every election cycle specifically, we reach or we go through this cycle of the same conversations over and over and over again. And the thing that I've noticed as I've stood on the sidelines and watched this. And sometimes I started out, let me say this first, I started out partaking in those conversations and then eventually I saw, I started seeing the fraud and then I started to take a step back just to assess and analyze everything that's going on and it's reached me or it allowed me to reach this point that I'm at today and where I'm having this conversation because it's time for us to actually break down the numbers. It's time for, it's time for us to actually see what's happening so we can understand what's going on. If you listen to me before, you've always heard me say this. And that is that the system is not rigged. Yes, in a broad sense, in a realistic sense, it is corrupt. However, everyone can take part in that corruption if they know how to play the game. So I always tell you guys, right, the system isn't rigged. The game isn't rigged. You just don't know how to play. Barry, what do you mean by this? Okay, so let's let's break it down. So first and foremost, I entitled this episode, um, it's going to change throughout the night, 
depending on how I feel or whenever I say, but I'm putting to bed, I'm putting to rest these oppression, oppression narratives, excuse me, surrounding black people. It's time to put that to bed. It's 2023, right? There are so many things going on in the world right now that's bigger than race, that's bigger than tribalism, that's bigger than collectivism. But these things play a part in American politics and in and the status quo, or rather the mythos that has been created surrounding black Americans that gives them this these ideas that they have of themselves and themselves in this society and themselves of the world. And I'm going to break that down and I'm going to explain to you what I mean. Mythos, the definition, I said this last week and I'm going to re- repeat this because essentially in order for this specific demographic in America to move forward, they have to reinvent themselves or recreate the mythos surrounding themselves. And what do I mean by that? Mythos is the pattern of basic values and attitudes of a people characteristically transmitted through myths and the arts. I'm stating this because if you think about the mythos that surrounds black people, African-American people, colored people, Negro Americans, whatever you want to call them, you will see that the mythos that surrounds them is nothing but oppression, nothing um, but hardships, um, nothing but a oppressor, oppressed um, symbiotic relationship between them and whites or them and whoever the oppressor is. This is what we have been taught by we, I do mean black people, because I understand I have the firsthand experience of understanding and knowing what it's like to grow up as a young black boy in school, learning different things of history, learning different parts of the education system and everything that I've learned up to this point supports this mythos that has been created that surrounds black Americans, right? And so one of the paramount aspects of that mythos, especially in respect to government and governance, is the black vote. And this is where we're going to begin. I took the liberty to to look at the numbers surrounding the 2020 election. But before I even get into that, there is a understanding or thought in America that the black voting bloc has some sort of power. And as I get through these numbers and get through these statistics, what you'll start to see is that in some respects that is true. However, overall, it is not true. You will see this because blacks essentially, and I'll get into this a little bit later, more sooner than later, black Americans have been voting the same way for the last 60 years. Next year will be 60 years since the Voting Voting Rights Act was passed. And they have been voting overwhelmingly Democrat with nothing to show for it. And I'm going to tell you why that is. I'm going to break it down because no one ever breaks down the numbers of why I believe and why I know more than anything that the this so-called power of the black vote doesn't exist, right? And then I'm going to show you the reality. This is going to supersede race. I'm going to show you the reality of voting. I'm going to show you the reality of American politics when I introduce some statistics to you that are not really talked about along the mainstream. So in 2020, there was about 193.4 million eligible voters. In the 2020 election, there were 155,508,985 million voters. I'm setting the table with that. That is important to understand. It's funny to me, on a side note, that this number, this figure, is not the same uh, figure everywhere. For example, the figure that I just told you, the 155,508,985 votes that were uh, casted in 2020, this is on CNN, MSNBC, but the Council of Foreign Relations stated that there were 159,633,396 votes. I don't understand why that is. But anyways, it's neither here nor there. 81 million votes, a little bit over 81 million votes was, was casted for Joe Biden, of course, because he's our president. And 70, a little bit over 74 million votes were casted for Donald Trump, right? Now, you must understand that there are about 47 million black Americans in the United States of America. That's 14% of the total U.S. population. Again, 47 million. Now, 
automatically you should know that that's a very small amount, but you will definitely know it's a small amount when you break it down and you actually look at the uh, proportions that you need to be actually looking at to be able to assess um, the adequate figures. Now, out of this 47 million, over 32 million are eligible to vote. So that's 70% of the black American population. And I would be remiss if I didn't add that uh, black Americans have some of the, or if not the um, youngest uh, generational demographic in America. And that gives way into aspects that I'm going to get into later, i.e. wealth and things of that nature. Oftentimes we hear about the wealth gap and things of that nature, but common sense and common statistics in respect to age and generation lets you know that um, older people in our society normally have the most money. And because black Americans are um, some of the youngest, or I want to say is the youngest demographic in racial terms in America, it explains the uh, deficits involving wealth that they possess. But that's neither here nor there. Now, I told you, um, out of 47 million black Americans, over 32 million are eligible to vote. In, 2020, in 2020's election, 63% of this 32 million, of this 30, over 32 million voted. This equates to about a little over 20 million, around 20,160,000 voters, right? 87% voted Democrat, which came out to be about a little over 17.5 million voters out of 81,284,666 votes for President Biden. And 12% voted for Republican for Donald Trump, which was 2 million votes, 419,200 out of 74,224,319. Now, with that being stated, you hear this um, cynical rhetoric from black conservatives stating that the Republicans don't do enough coming inside of black neighborhoods to be able to um, engage with the black voter. When essentially this statistic alone gives you insight why they don't do that because Republicans can win votes without black Americans. And they've been doing this for a while. It's not the primary reason, but it's one of the key reasons. It's, it shows you. Even if Republicans didn't get that 12% of black Americans that voted for Donald Trump, they still would have had over 70 million votes. Understand that. Again, let me repeat. Out of 47 million voters, there were 32 million that were eligible to vote. And out of 32 million that were eligible to vote, only 20,000, excuse me, only 20,160,000 people voted. And out of that 20,000, excuse me, I don't know why I keep saying that. Out of that 20 million, only over a little bit over 17 million voted one way, and the rest were about 2.5 million people voted the other way. That is important for you guys to see this number because it really shows you what power really looks like in numbers. But, but please do not mistake that there is some power in voting, and I'm going to tell you why that is a little bit later. But based on this, right, based on this notion, there are about almost 12 million votes left on the table. If the GOP were able to connect with half of that 12 million that's left on the table, they will beat Democrats every time. It will be no question. It will be no question at all. It will be easy. But if you take away the black Democratic vote, they would never win any election. And I think that's important to know. When you look at these numbers, the GOP really has no incentive of going after black votes because they can win without them. It will make sense. However, if you look at the fact that culturally in America for the last 60 years, Within a group that takes pride within this uh, racial identity, dem being a Democrat politically is a part of that. Whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, it's a part of that. And yet, no one ever really talks about it. No one ever really um, speaks on it. 
I wonder why the room the room should be open. Okay, that's weird. Um, yes. And so the key part of these numbers, ladies and gentlemen, the key part to understand the crux of what I'm stating is the Democrats need blacks to vote for them in order to win, but blacks never get anything from it. Black people are a big part of why Democrats win elections, yet they get nothing from it. Every election cycle, we can even think about, again, I'm thinking about 2020, you look at the issues that come up that are so-called exclusive to black Americans, and these issues are, are crumbs. And the media, which I continuously tell you guys, which is a fourth branch of government totally programs black Americans to care about issues that really aren't issues like voting rights, for example, like when the president or, and the Democrats stated that the GOP was making it hard to vote, but yet from 2020 and even in 2022, black Americans had record voting numbers. They talk about quote unquote criminal justice as if black Americans as a collective make up the criminal element in America when it is a very small portion of black people that commit crimes when essentially blacks need more police in their communities more so than any other communities in America. I could go on and on and on about the the quote-unquote issues that the left pushes towards black Americans, yet black Americans don't even understand the reality of the strength of their vote towards neither side. When any time you get on social media and you hear these black conservatives tell you that the, the GOP isn't doing enough, please stop listening to them. They are leading you astray. They don't give you the numbers like I'm giving you the numbers. See, when you look at the numbers, um, the numbers give the details. It gives you a, a chance to understand what's actually happening and what's going on and gives you at least a fair rationale of why people are behaving the way that they're behaving. I don't understand why um, the room isn't open on Twitter. It's so crazy. And we I'm only saying this, um, I'm only giving you these numbers in case they are they are real. Because again, um, we don't know. Sorry about that. We don't know um, the reality of what ha what happened in 2020 at all. We don't. As much as we like to say that we do, we don't. But if these numbers are factual, it gives you insight um, on what's actually happening in respect to the numbers um, that are that we see with the results and the narratives that are crafted from those numbers. Now, a more important aspect to dig deeper into this. When you look at the demographics within the demographics of the black vote, this tells the tale of why things are the way that they are, right? Black men voted in 2020, 87% vote Democrat, 12% voted Republican. Black women, on the other hand, 95% voted Democrat and 5% voted Republican. The key aspect that was so interesting to me within these demographics, within the demographics, was that black college grads and none black college grads, excuse me, and, and none college grads of blacks voted the same. They voted the same. What I mean by that is 92% of black college graduates and 92% of those who did not go to school voted Democrat, while 8% did not. That gives some insight right there. Why? Because it kind of shows you or it kind of delves into understanding how education plays a role with black Americans. But that's another conversation for another day. But it's amazing to me when people of higher education are voting the same way of people who did not uh, go through the process of obtaining such education. Also, millennials, Generation Z, and Generation X were stronger Democratic voters than boomers in the silent generation. I found that interesting as well. So, 
with all of this being said, and we set the table, right? It's something to understand about this. Again, so the crux of the argument or the crux of this, this talk, this conversation, is that I've given you the numbers, the specific numbers that have shown that, one, um, there is no incentive for the GOP to look after or to try to go after the black vote because they can get 70 million votes plus without it. But if they were able to siphon some votes away from the Democrats, they would never lose an election. But that is hard, especially when the mythos of a people, when people have been programmed to think race first and that anybody that does not align with these political ideals, i.e. Democrat, they are racist, it's hard to ch- change and shape that mindset to get them to see another way. Not only that, as I stated, the Democrats need black voters to win, yet black voters never, ever get anything for it. But not only that, here's some things to think about, right? Because blacks in America have always been taught to simply pay attention to voting, to simply pay attention to their right to vote. Yet they never get a chance or they never have been like educated into delving into deep within politics and understand um, the reality of politics in America. So let's start that conversation. It's important to note that everything in America is for sale. Literally everything, everything is for sale. Even our politics, even our politicians, even your body, you, human capital, human resources. This is why these words are within our lexicon in terms of us interacting in society within commerce. But again, I don't want to go off on the deep end. That's an entirely... um, different conversation. But how many black people know about lobbies? How many black people know about the biggest lobbies in America? Everything's for sale. Remember this. Blacks tend to not think about or tend to complain rather that, oh, wow, wow, like the LGBTQ um, community made so many strides within a, in a short amount of time. Well, yes. Do you understand about the LGBTQ lobby? Do you understand? Do you know what HRC is? Human Rights Campaign, though that blue sticker with the two dash yellow dashes that look like an equal sign, they have raised so much money that they have infiltrated the way corporations do business. And what I mean by that is, if corporations don't adhere to certain standards, I spoke about this before, they'll have a ESG scores and they won't get money um, donated to them or people won't do business with them. You know about the pharmaceutical lobby? Do blacks know about the pro-Israel lobby? If you just look around, you will see the reality of the world that we are existing in. And you will see, again, especially within America, everything is legitimately for sale. Everything. Yet black Americans don't play the game. They don't understand that. For example, let me tell you about Big Pharma. In 2020, the pharmaceutical industry spent 4.58 billion US dollars on advertising on national TV in the United States, unsurprisingly representing a big shift in spending compared to the 2019 pre-COVID market. In 2020, TV ad spending of the pharma industry accounted for 75% of the total ad spend. This means that Big Pharma, this is your Pfizer, this is your Moderna, this is your AstraZeneca, this is any pharmaceutical company that you can think of. They spent seven, the, the, entire, the, the money that spent on TV ads in one year, they cornered the market spending 75% of the money on their ads. Not only that, actually I'll get into that later when we get into these statistics. Beautiful people. In in terms 
of oppression towards blacks in America. And I've been a big proponent of this thought that I'm about to, to say to you all. You cannot claim to be oppressed when your oppression stems from your own behavior or stems from a consistency of types of behaviors that lead to negative outcomes. Nor can you argue for your oppression or state that you are oppressed when you make it easy for yourself to be oppressed. How is it, how is it possible for blacks to, for example, they state that black have blacks have a trillion dollars buying buying power, right? But in 2019, consumer expenditures by black households totaled approximately $835 billion. Combined spending by all black households has increased 5% annually over the past two decades. It has outpaced the growth rate of combined spending by white households, 3%, driven mostly by faster population growth. You mean to tell me that consumer spending from blacks is almost up to a trillion dollars and not one dollar has been given towards an elected official. Not one dollar has been given or towards creating a, a black lobby specifically for things black people care about because the gays do it, did it. Is Israel does it here all the time. I don't even have to speak about that. I mean, if you look, look around today, Jason Greenblatt of the ADL comes out with a tweet stating that basically he and the ADL are going to be closely watching Twitter to ensure that Elon Musk is doing what he says that he will do in limiting the type of content um, that is offensive towards the ADL. Now, why doesn't the NAACP have things like that? Why don't business leaders... And big tech meet with the NAACP to cut down on the type of um, racial harassment black people get or just race, racist thing or anti-black racism in general because of capital, people. This is the thing that you must understand about America. Everybody that comes over here understand that this is a free market system. The golden rule is not treat people how you want to be treated or not do at, do unto others as they would do unto you. That's not the golden rule in America. The golden rule in America is the man with the gold rules. We've seen this time and time and time again. There are no pro-black lobbies. There are no pro-black super PACs. Better yet, I'll make it even simpler. If you're listening to this and you're black, even if you're not black, how many black people you know that donate to political campaigns on a consistent basis? How, how many? Malcolm X came out with a speech before his death that was entitled um, The Ballad of the Bullet, right? And at this point, Americans are so docile, we're past the bullet point. We're past that. I know we are. So now, it's about the ballot or the dollar or using the dollar to leverage your ballot because that's what everybody else does. Again, and I'm going to continue to reemphasize this thought for the remainder of the show. This is a pay-to-play society. This is a pay for service society. Now, let me give you insight, right? Now, we done I've I've given you I've told you that um black consumer expenditures by black households totaled approximately $835 billion, right? So, what exactly does that mean? When you start looking at the the spending habits and the thing that interests black Americans, you start to un- develop an understanding of the so- so-called um problems that politicians and that pundits like to say that are exclusively black because of racism. Let me give you an example of what I mean, right? So black consumers are younger, more plugged into smartphones, and more brand aware than 
than any other group. The median age of black Americans is 34, a decade younger than the median for white Americans. Black consumers are highly digital. They are more likely to own a smartphone and they use their phones 12% more than white Americans. They are nearly three times more likely than white Americans to expect the brands they align, excuse me, to expect the brands they use to align with their values and support social causes. Now, I found this article that was written in 2020 and this woman stated that system, systemic racism, not $200 L. Jordan, suppresses black wealth. She started the article off basically giving her giving um, insight into her background. She starts talking about how um, her grandmother in the, in the late 1960s, even though they were poor, she made sure that she dressed well. She talked about how the, the welfare lady would go see her grandmother and she made sure that... Um, her and her brothers and her sisters were well-dressed for the welfare lady. And immediately after telling that story, she jumps into, she says, let's talk about the wealth gap. I'm telling you this because this woman who wrote this for the Washington Post is so self-unaware. When you look at the quote-unquote wealth gap and why there's a wealth gap between black and white people, you first have to understand that there's a wealth gap between white and Asians, but we don't talk about that because it's not profitable. Problems in our society are profitable. So it's best to talk about the people who are so programmed and indoctrinated to think that the entire society that they were built, that, they, that, they were, that is built with them in that society is racist against them. We can talk about that for days. And this is what I'm getting into. She does not realize that her grandmother was on welfare, meaning that there was no man in the house, meaning that there was one income. And because there was one income, um, this woman, her grandmother, had to rely on the state for help. When you understand the statistics surrounding family households and that if single parenting was a statistic and the United States was a, a sports league, black people would lead the league in the most households headed by a single parent, notably a single mother. So this gives insight to a quote-unquote wealth gap that's, that's never really um, spoken about, right? Then when you move and you realize what um, black Americans mostly spend their money on, it gives you even more insight, again, on where that 835, what's that, what figure was that? Where the $835 billion is going. It's not going in places that it needs to go. It goes in, in other places. Nielsen came out with this report uh, two years ago. They gave insight on how black Americans spend their money and how basically how black Americans live in respect to entertainment. And it was very eye-opening. And I feel like if this types of information were to get out so people could see um, exactly what's happening, they will understand why things are the way that they are. And they will understand that the things that are taking place or the grievances that they have with this this country isn't due to racism, but it's due to habits or it's due to consistent habits that has been brought about by culture. So what do I mean by this? Um, black consumers and consumers of color alike are making considerable contributions to the overall market, in some cases representing more than 50% of the overall spending in key product categories. For example, half of the total spend on dry grains and vegetables in the U.S. in 2017 came from people of color, and black consumers represent 100, 100 excuse me, $47 million of the total spend in this category, which has recently made advances in product creation to meet the demands of their diverse buyers. Now, I'm going to give you some categories of items and goods that black Americans um, spend um, basically um, more than their general population, right? Let me find this really quickly. And then I'm going to give you some overall numbers of the market that they're a part of. Okay. 
Oh, I got to get back to that because that's going to, that's, oh, I got to tell you guys that. All right. Hold on one second. And I'm going to show you how this works because um, everything that you hear about uh, wealth gap, um, let's see, health, how there's health, uh, health disparities, all everything, everything that you hear about that's disparity towards blacks, we hear that is race is racism and it's not, it's habit verse. All right. Here's categories where the percentage of black spending is greater in proportion to their population size. Ethnic hair and beauty age. The general market is a $63.5 million market. Black people, specifically black women, spend $54.4 million, which is 85% of the total spend attributable to black consumers. 85% of... 80, 85% of the money that's spent on ethnic hair and beauty aids is as a result of black people. Not only that, false eyelash markets size worth will increase to $2.39 billion by 2027. Report by Market Research Future. Not only that, let's see. Where is this? The global black hair market was worth $2.5 billion in 2020. They said that um, the global hair care market will be worth $13.8 billion by 2025. With these statistics, I've already told you, black, Amer black Americans spend 85% of the money, 85% of the market share of ethnic hair and beauty aids is reserved for black Americans. Imagine if that money was put into productive causes like the LGBTQ, like the pro-Israel, like the pharmaceutical companies. All of these lobbies. This is how our world works. This is how our society works, right? Okay. Now, again, I, I told you guys earlier that um, black Americans are 14% of the population. And I'm going to give you the categories and I want you to listen closely of um, the other categories besides beauty where the black spending is greater in proportion to their population. Shelf-stable juices and drinks. Shelf-stable juices and drinks means um, like your Hawaiian punches, the, the, the juices that are on the shelves and not refrigerated. Think about what is in those drinks. Detergents, bottled water, frozen unprepared meat and seafood, refrigerated juices and drinks, personal soap and bath needs, spices, seasoning, and extracts, household cleaners, shortening oil, and insecticides and repellents, women's fragrances. Let me stop right there. Um, the total spend on women's fragrances, I want to say this is America. Yes, in America is $679.4 million. Black spend out of that $152 million. They have a 22.37% corner share of the market. Cookware, gum, yes, gum. The total spend on gum in America is $807.7 million. Black spend $122.8 million of that, a 15.2% of the share. Men's toiletries, feminine hygiene, charcoal logs, and accessories. If you look at the products of some of the... Um, markets that I name, you will see that some of these products, that, that, that a, a part of these markets are like terrible. They're, they're horrible for you, horrible for your body. And it makes sense as to when you think about it, why um, blacks are the leaders in hypertension and high blood pressure in America. Just look at the items that, that, are, that they buy. I told you, I'll say it again. I'll give you, I'll give you a hint. Blacks eat a lot of fried food. Blacks also um, make up 15% of the share of the shortening oil market. It's right here. All of these um, issues that are shown or that arise in certain areas of the quote-unquote black community. Obesity. Four, or five, four out of five black women are overweight. This is a true statistic. You can look it up. And when you see where black dollars go to, it makes sense why specific problems 
arise in their community, right? Okay, another. This is, I'm going to give you guys the top companies that advertise the blacks more than any other company. And most of these groups are, interestingly enough, are big pharma. Procter & Gamble spends almost $600 million a year on ads towards blacks. Berkshire Hathaway, Pfizer, AT&T, GlaxoSmithKline, PLC Total, Yum Brands, PepsiCo, Progressive Corp, Walt Disney, Comcast, uh, Deutsche Telekom, General Motors, Abbey, Abbey V Inc., Unilever, SoftBank Corp., Johnson & Johnson, Amazon, Verizon Communications, Inc., Bayer AG, and L'Oreal SA. Everything or most of, the, most of these companies that I give you that spend upwards of hundreds of million dollars towards ads towards black people are either pharmaceuticals or dealing in something, dealing in beauty or junk food or entertainment. Let's talk about entertainment briefly. When you compare the types of entertainment that blacks consume versus America, other Americans, there's a distinct difference. For example, the, tw- the top 20 re- reoccurring broadcasts and table- cable TV shows, the total population, the top 20 would be, and I'm not going to list all, I'm going to list the top five. Roseanne, This Is Us, Walking Dead, Grey's Anatomy, Jersey Shore, Family Vacation. Up next is The Big Bang Theory, American Horror Story, The Bachelor. Okay, junk TV in there. Now, I'm going to list the top five shows um, watched by black Americans ages 18 to 34. Love and Hip Hop Atlanta 7, Empire. Love and Hip Hop Hollywood 5, Love and Hip Hop Miami. Love and Hip Hop 8, Star. The next two are Tiana and Iman, Black Ink Crew 6. And right under those two, Love and Hip Hop 9, Basketball Wives 7. Do you guys see... Do you guys see what is happening here? Everything that you hear from these pundits, from these political personalities on the left tells you that the reason there are problems within the so-called black community that are disproportionate to every other race is due to racism. But I'm giving you, I'm giving you the facts. I'm giving you the number. These are the top 20 high-indexing African-American grocery products versus the general market. Top 20. The number one thing that black Americans spend their money on at the grocery store are grits. Grits. And they almost spend $20 million a year on grits. $20 million. The next is Louisiana Fish Fry Products. $11 million on that. Glory Food, Jays, Quaker, the top five, the top five things that black Americans spend their money on in the grocery store are grits, coating mixes, cooking greens, potato chips, and at number five, grits again. At number six, cooking greens again. The number one product is what? Tahitian treat, a soda, high sugar. I'm going to post this on my sub stack. I'm going to post some of these statistics um, on Twitter as well. But beautiful people, when you look at the numbers and you look at the data and you see what's actually going on away from what you've been told, what you start to realize is that much of the problems, excuse me, most of the problems don't arise because of racism and white supremacy. It's habits based on culture. I'm not saying racism and white supremacy doesn't exist. No, excuse me. White supremacy does not exist. Racism does exist. There's some very racist people in the world. Absolutely. But are the problems of a people due to racism? And is it the key problem of, of a people? Absolutely not. Because, again, when you peel back the layers and you look at um, these statistics and you look at what's actually going on and you look at the statistics that produce or the the statistics that show the habits of a particular group of people, you start to be able to paint the picture and see the reality of why certain problems exist. 
Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Here's some more facts. And I'm going to I'm going to put it all together very soon because I wanted to start out with the quote unquote black vote. And then I want to get into just how voting has not been the key to any type of progress when within a society that is dominated by capitalism. And capitalism is not a bad thing. However, it goes to show that if you want anything to get done in this world, you got to have capital to do it. This is, this is why corporations get away with what they want. This is why very, very wealthy people get away with what they want because they have the money to do so. And it's almost baffling that, and it's not just a black thing when I say this, this is, this is human beings. All of us in America see this. We see this, but yet we have this certain level of cognitive dissonance that takes away from the reality of the society that we live in. We place our faith in knowing that the things that we do on a consistent basis will never work. Every next year, there are going to be people to go out and vote and get their little sticker programming to think that they did their due diligence because they exercised their right to vote because they've been fed all of this propaganda about how America's full of freedom and liberty and we're going to choose the best people for these for these jobs and we're going to vote out the wrong people when they have not yet realized that the way the system works is that these individuals are just cogs in the machine. You take out one, you just put in another one. Just like how you fix any car part. Your wheel goes bad or the wheel gets getting bad, just get a new one. That's how American politics is ran. Now, when you bring up entertainment, right, you start to see and understand certain behavior patterns and why they're prevalent specifically within the black community. These, and what I mean by this is these videos that oftentimes get shared on social media um, of bad behavior, you know, fighting, um, cursing each other out, things of that nature. This is not an inherent behavior. I refuse to believe that. However, I do believe that there are certain habits brought on by environmental factors that produces these outcomes and behaviors. What do I mean by that? Lack of nutritional value plus being in an environment of constant chaos and constant disarray takes a toll on the psyche and whether people want to realize this or not, health has a great deal of importance on brain power and the capacity to think and the capacity to possess impulse control and um, the capacity to possess delayed gratification. And very important, those thing, three things are very important tools to produce outcomes that we would like to enjoy and we would like to see, right? So, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. What do I want to tell you guys? Uh, African-Americans spend more time per week streaming audio, including podcasts, listening than that total U.S. population. In a typical week, half, 49% of black podcast listeners spend one to four hours listening to podcasts. Radio has remained a trusted channel for news and information for blacks, reaching 98% of them every month let's see let's see it's something else that i wanted to tell you guys that was very important i think i'm mixing up let's see ah i can't find it i can't find it hold on one second guys because this is this is very very interesting stuff and i'm going to post this again i'm going to post this on my sub stack and i'm going to um put it in a sense to where it can be easily digested because I don't want you guys to be confused about these numbers. And I know um, numbers isn't everyone's strong suit. And I don't, I don't mean to disrespect anyone's intelligence that's listening, but I want you to be able to truly see this and understand um, what, what this stuff means because I'm tired of I'm just tired of these oppressive or these oppression narratives that we hear. 
in when you look and you do the work and you read what's actually happening, what's actually going on, it it shows that everything you've been taught is a lie. It's a total lie. Like when you see that the top five things that black Americans watch on TV is full of dysfunction. You should understand why there are videos, countless videos, um, countless content on social media that displays black dysfunction. And when I say this, because you got I hate that you have to say this in 2023 because people get offended easily. Sure, there's this dysfunction within a lot of races, but the data, the numbers show that this specific group of people involve themselves with dysfunction so much that they watch it on television. It's their entertainment. And not only that, and this, these are the statistics that I wanted to show you all, or tell you all rather, is that um, black Americans use electronics more than any other race in the country. Let me see, can I find those statistics really quick and then I'm going to wrap up. I really, really, really wish, wish, wish Twitter worked. But I think, you know, they found out I was talking about this and they didn't want a good people to hear it, but it'll be recorded and I'll have it uploaded to Twitter tomorrow. All right. Okay. So when you look at um, device ownership, right, with... Um, black Americans, all ages, that's from two to 99, 96% own, hold on, make sure I give you the right, 96% owns a smartphone, 65% owns a tablet, 46% owns an internet connected device, 54% owns um, a video game console, and the only percentage that is um, less than the total population is computers. But in defense, um, and something I thought that was interesting, 95% of everybody, no matter what race, owns a smartphone. And that goes to me, goes to show um, how we've become digital slaves. We don't even understand the cages that we're in because uh, we, have, we have had a tendency to think that we needed bars, steel bars and chains to think that we're enslaved but you don't attention is one of the biggest things in society right now who can keep attention and who can gain attention a lot of times and i said this today um we hear about fentanyl being a deadly chemical a deadly drug a dangerous chemical but i personally feel like dopamine has been the most dangerous chemical the reactions that or feelings that people get from getting a like, from getting a share, from getting a retweet, from getting a comment. It's been so addictive that people have been totally, totally behaving in ways, in my opinion, that shows um, a very shallow mental illness. I mean, you have people out here making videos, pretending to wake up in the morning and the camera is set that, the camera shows them waking up, but no, they 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 get up in the morning and they, they position the camera, their phones on a tripod to do whatever it is that, that they need to do. That's very weird behavior, but yet this is constant um, within our society. Like there is a sickness, a mental sickness going on within our society right now in respect to attention and um, people's dopamine receptors and the, the amount of dopamine release that they are getting. Um, from a simple like, from a simple comment, from people giving them attention is very, very worrisome because it shows how human beings can be controlled. And I'm saying this because these screens are doing damage, right? But we don't understand how much damage these screens are doing. For example, quarter one of 2019, as I stated earlier, Blacks spend more time on devices more than any other group of people, even even more than, than the total population. 
Blacks spend 50 minutes on devices compared to the 39 minutes that total population spends. They spend 44 minutes watching a live or time-shifted TV versus 33 minutes of the total population. Radio, no one really listens to the radio like that, but it's about the same for both. Um, what else, what else, what else? The, um, the amount of time on a tablet and the web on a smartphone, both higher than the total population. So, Barry, why is this important? Well, this goes to show or it speaks on how to alter or how to control behaviors. It speaks on how information is, is um, distributed and proliferated through avenues of social media or websites or just basically any type of media that comes through that little small black screen. And so when you look at the fact that a certain group of people spend the more spend the most of their time on a device than other people certain types of information gets to those people and it's proliferates to those people in a much longer fashion than everyone else which means that you can kind of dictate and mold these people's uh, viewpoint of the world either consciously or subconsciously and this goes back to this entire narrative that I wanted to put the race, excuse me, put to um, rest this evening. We live in the, in the freest time in world history that there ever will be. Yet, there are numerous people and groups of people that will scream to the top of their lungs that they are, are, are oppressed and they are oppressed because of the way that they look in spite of evidence um, to the contrary. When you look at the statistics, when you look at the numbers, you will start to find out, as I've shown you this evening, that for every problem that exists, that people claim is due to racism, racism is at the last of that list. Again, beautiful people, these problems that exist within the quote-unquote black community has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with white supremacy. It's simply because of habits that have been brought upon by a specific type of culture. A culture that has been created by a specific type of mindset. In order for anything to change, the mind must change first. If the mind changes, the culture changes. If the culture changes, the habits will change. But if you continuously, um, if you continuously uh, feel your psyche of dysfunction, you continuously eat bad foods. You continuously not become not aware of the political environment that you're in and you depend solely on a vote and not your capital, you're going to be constantly within the hamster wheel of this perceived oppression that doesn't even ex exist until it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is what we see in America today. Now, as I stated, beautiful people, I'm going to put this on my sub stack. I'm going to put this data set and all this information, and I'm going to make it nice and digestible for you. So you can share this, so you can really understand that white supremacy, racism, yes, racism is this, white supremacy doesn't exist, I will stand by that. But it is not the keys to the problems that American blacks have within our beautiful country. It's bigger than that. The numbers show this. It's all about habits brought on by culture. And if we want to change and if we want change, people have to change. That's as simple as it gets. You listen to ATL Talks Radio and the one streaming talk radio station. This is the Barrington Report. I am Barrington Martin II. You can listen to me every Thursday here on ATL Talks Radio. 
oh, I enjoy it this evening. For whatever reason, I have no idea as to why um, this didn't stream on Twitter. I think Twitter hated on me today, but it's okay. I'll be back next Thursday. I may do this show over for uh, my tweets, my tweeters, or my exers, as their names are these days. I thank you all for listening. Hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. Hope you enjoy some well um, rest and some good, well-deserved, excuse me, time off with your family. And remember, in order for you to love others, you must love yourself first. The most important love is always the love of self. I will see you guys Thursday of next week. Enjoy your weekend. Peace.